with Ruben. I don't even have to say your last name. Ruben Franco, I should say. I guess your full name. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. We're talking about uh, community people here. You guys are reminiscing about the old days in uh, film business here. You got you got somebody that's got both community connections and a and a background in entertainment. Here. We uh, do, we do, we do, we do. And today's Hispanic Heritage Month. Obviously, we're still in Hispanic Heritage Month through October fifteenth. And today's podcast is brought to us by Farmers and Merchants, who's been a great partner in supporting us and for Hispanic Heritage Month two years in a row. So we appreciate it, Farmers and Merchants. Thank you for doing that. 116 years, zero name changes. The only merger we've had is combining one century with another. Here today, here tomorrow. Think safe, think Farmers and Merchants Bank. What, what, what a great tagline. The only yeah. merger we've ever had yeah, is one century yeah. into another. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. is so clever. Yeah. Dan, <laughs> Dan and Henry are just did a great job over there, and uh, pleasure of working with them and serving on the board with Henry, big brothers and big sisters. So go way back with them. But our guest today, we're lucky to have a great guest. Kim Shaw, he's uh, kind of a colleague and a, f- a longtime friend, uh, founding partner of RevHub, founder of Northstar OC Collaborative, which we're part of. We can say proudly the Hispanic Chamber's part of, and building a social enterprise he- ecosystem here in Orange County. So, Tim, welcome aboard. We love to start off these podcasts by just asking you, tell us a little bit about yourself personally. Awesome. It's great to be here. And been a big fan of the Hispanic Chamber for a long time, and we've been friends for a while, so it's great to talk with you yeah. today. Yeah, so I've been kicking around Orange County doing community work for about 35 years. I started in the nonprofit space, uh, mainly in homeless services, where I still do a lot of my work. I serve on the Orange County Continuum of Care Board, which oversees a lot of the state and federal homeless dollars that come into Orange County, and right. I had the privilege back in the 90s to work with then state senator, the late, great Marion Bergeson, and mm. some other folks um, to uh, bring the first federal dollars into Orange County for homelessness. And so um, been continuing to work on that. And then um, I did a stint at the United Way for a little while and um, was the CEO of the Irvine Public Schools Foundation for a while and then started my own consulting business in 2007, working with nonprofit, community-based organizations. And my biggest client is UC Irvine where I do special projects for UCI Deal Plan Innovation, so the innovation entrepreneurship um, work and research translation work here. At but I've got to interrupt for one second. You've yeah. got to explain my comment, because for a moment, you were in the entertainment business. You did. A, a brief moment, yeah, a brief <laughs> shining moment, yeah. So for the better part of a decade, I was a stand-up comic. I did win Orange County's Funniest Person. There you go, see. Back in something in the 2000s, and um, then started working the road which really knocked the joy of stand-up comedy right out of me because <laughs> there is no middle class in stand-up comedy. There's uh, basically Chris Rock and people who make money like that and then a bunch of people who are getting paid 150 bucks to do one-nighters at Indian casinos and bars all throughout the Southwest, which yeah. I ended up doing. So, yeah, so kind of left that behind after a while, and okay. it was fun while it lasted, but... Uh, plus, honestly, I mean, the community work that I'd done, it, it got to the point where I had to make a choice, and it, really this work is just way more important to me. And so actually jumping off my work at UCI really you know, got interested in this concept of kind of ushering in an, an, a, a new form of regenerative capitalism. Like how can we stop thinking about the world in terms of, two economies, right? That's the economy that you you engage to make money, and that's the economy you engage to do good in the world, right? right? How can we blend those things together? And that's where a social enterprise, you know, for-profit businesses that 
have a social mission and are addressing some of our most pressing environmental and social challenges, come in. And so uh, with some partners, uh, Stefan Urkel and Glenn Parrish, um, we got our heads together and we've been working in this field for a long time and kind of had the same frustrations, what I call the philanthropic mm -hmm. hamster wheel. If you have a social innovation, you're told, well, go start a nonprofit, right? Problem with nonprofits is they can't scale. You know, and if, if you look globally, like nonprofits that eclipse like a million bucks in their annual operating budget are just minuscule. Hardly any of them have ever do that. Right. But they're being asked to do all this work. And really that usually comes at the whims of philanthropists, right? And that's just not a way to address some of the most pressing problems. And we've all just decided that we're going to let private markets, private enterprise, just take the powder on solving those things when they can bring the innovation and the scale and the capital, you know, to the fight. And so we decided, you know, Orange County has all of the elements, all of the ingredients that we need to build a thriving social enterprise ecosystem. So just need a little elbow grease and getting some people together, some good collaboration, and let's start doing it. So we formed RevHub at the end of 2019 and built it mostly through the pandemic. Um, as both a social enterprise ecosystem builder, but also an incubator, so that we could help and mentor and and then fund businesses that were, you know, baking into their articles of incorporation, not just profitability, but impact. And right. so that's how it all got started. Let me ask you this regarding social enterprise. I've always wanted to ask you this. I could be totally wrong on this, but the late great Paul Newman had, you know, an organization or a yeah. Enterprise called Newman's Own. Mm -hmm. It was about 100 percent of the money went to charity. Yeah. I think it went to one charity. It went to the Hole in the Wall uh, Gang charity, which was yeah. named after uh, the Hole in the Wall Gang yeah. from the great uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid movie. Right? Um, is that considered a social enterprise, where 100 percent of that money is just going strictly to yeah. the good for the community? It is, but it's a form of social enterprise. That's okay. that's what's more called the give back model. Got it. Tom's Shoes Tom is a similar shoes, example, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, Patagonia. Like some of these companies, you know, in addition, most of these companies also in their business practices, they will make sure that they are ensuring, you know, that they're not engaging in environmentally destructive, you know, right. um, habits and that they are treating their workers fairly. They're sourcing their materials in ways that are environmentally sustainable, that kind of thing. So that's kind of baked in as well. But that model is more of a give back model. What we're more interested in at RevHub is kind of using social enterprise as a front door to this rethinking regenerative capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. Where we and, – and, you know, I think what's – I just saw literally this week there was um, – or, or in the past couple of weeks, a couple of bills that were signed here in California – that are kind of starting to move in that direction. And if I think if private enterprise doesn't move itself in that direction, the regulatory bodies are going to start moving in the direction mm -hmm. of, you know, when you look at a circumstance like last year of all the venture capital that went to startups, 2% went to women. And it's even worse if you're a Hispanic right. woman, if you're a black woman. I mean, and the same is true for Hispanic entrepreneurs, black right. entrepreneurs, men or Less women. Less than 2%. Right? Less than 2%. Right. It's one of the most inequitable systems left in the United States, and we just kind of, well, we just accept that that's the case. Well, I just saw that a bill was signed where now venture capital firms are going to have to disclose their diversity data. Like, how are they, you know, investing in underrepresented, under-resourced, you know, uh, minority entrepreneurs? I think, and then you saw the, the bill that was signed recently where 
in addition to financial disclosures, companies now in California are having to, um, they're having to account for their environmental impact, right? These types of things are moving along. I think there's a way that the private sector can start moving in that direction in a way that it, it doesn't damage profitability, mm -hmm. right? It can enhance profitability, actually, you know? And can stem maybe the regulatory environment having to feeling like they have to step in, right, to regulate right. this kind of thing. So there's a movement that's going on globally around impact-adjusted accounting, regenerative capitalism, and again, social enterprise is a way to think about that. But we really want to move in the direction again of not having two economies. Like that's the social enterprise economy. That's the one where you go to make money, right? How can we blend these things together and? You know, we're kind of staking our claim here in Orange County first, um, but we are connecting with other folks throughout the state. We believe that as, you know, Orange County goes, California can go. As California goes, the United States can go. And certainly there are countries around the world that have gone, you know, social enterprises in, in Great Britain are 5% of GDP. You mm -hmm. know, Canada has a massive $700 million annual um, social impact, social investment um, uh, program that supports the, the ecosystems locally and infrastructure locally around social impact investing, things like that. So we're a little behind in the United States. And, and we believe that we can kind of catch some fire here in California around this, that we really can start re-envisioning a more sustainable and a more equitable capital. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are staggering when you talk about less than 2%. You also talked about was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. I'm on the board of the U.S. Hispanic Chamber as well. Less than there's a, what a thousand the thousand top companies in the world or in the country, 800 of them don't have one Hispanic on the board. <laughs> Very limited when it comes to women as yep. well. And you, and you look at your consumer base yeah. is pretty significant, right? Yeah. Your employee base is pretty significant, right? Like it would just kind of make sense, just common sense wise. Well, and then you see the data. Of it. Yeah. You see the data. Right. It, th that's what that's what defies logic. Right? And that's what indicates to me that there's a real rod at the center of the system, right? Is that diverse startups actually do better, right? When you have diverse teams in your startups, they actually perform better financially, not from some sort of amorphous kind of, you know, woke kind of measurement. Right. Financially, literally do better on the bottom line, right? And I think there's probably some pretty obvious reasons for that, right? America is not just, you know, one type of person, right? There's right. a diversity of people here who, in the market, is demanding, right, products that speak to that diversity, products and services. And so to meet that, you know, obviously you're probably going to have a better chance if you have people who understand, right, who have some cultural competency um, in those areas. So I think that the more we kind of start to recognize that, it's not an either-or proposition, you know, between profitability and doing good, right. right? That we can have both. And certainly there are some things where, you know, on the investor side, you're going to have to just calibrate your, you know, your expectations in terms of your returns, right? right. But at RevHub, what we're trying to do, and we, we have Rev Fund as well, which is the first social impact investment fund here in Orange County. And, and we're looking at really two areas, health equity and climate action are mm. the two big areas that we're – we're focusing on. We want to. We want to make sure that um, we are building a pipeline. You know that is almost bi-directional into like our incubators around that. We have relationships with UC Irvine, where we have the research translation engine that is pumping out 
translatable, commercializable research. But we got to build a community pipeline that is creating illuminated pathways to entrepreneurship for underrepresented, under-resourced. That's where North Star OC, right. you know, comes in. Well, let's talk about sure. North, North Star OC. We're, we're part of that collaborative. Uh, you know, we, I think we were talking about it, the year we were talking about it, over a year and a half, maybe two years ago now. Yeah. And it finally came to fruition last year yeah. and um, under your leadership, so we appreciate that. But tell us, uh, people who don't know about it sure. at all, what it, what it is. What is North Star Yeah, and first and foremost, a huge shout-out to State Senator Josh yeah. Newman because uh, it would not have happened without um, Senator Newman. Um, so I mentioned the Canadian model earlier, mm -hmm. and, and actually that was the impetus for us thinking about this, um, this North Star Collaborative. I approached Senator Newman, and who I know from some other things, and, you know, I, I told him um, that about this Canadian model, right? And then the, the kind of the, the pitch I made to him was the economy of California is bigger than Canada's, right? right? We are doing exactly zero, you know, for that. So how about if you – we try to get some funds to pilot. Like let's test some things here and see if our theory is actually correct, that we have all the ingredients we need to build a thriving social enterprise ecosystem here and at the same time create these illuminated pathways to entrepreneurship for underrepresented entrepreneurs. And let's see, let's see what happens. And then, you know, that may set the stage for us going back to with some bigger legislation that might be able to establish something statewide. And luckily, I mean, he was a champion of it from the right. beginning. He got it right away. And so he championed an $8.5 million state budget appropriation for us. We pulled together a collaborative. And here's what we always like to say about um, RevHub. Like, we approach our work humbly, right? And what I mean by that is when you're building an ecosystem, right, what you're trying to do is create tools and resources for entrepreneurs who have these innovations, right, right. so that they can move. The, I would, there's a million good reasons for a business to fail, like great reasons, like super awesome, like it should fail. Good for you. Right. You learned a lesson. What are you going to do next, right? Business shouldn't fail because they needed 750 bucks for a software license or they didn't have money, you know, they didn't have $20,000 to build a prototype or they didn't have um, mentoring in a specific area of FDA regulations or something right. like that, right? So you got to build those tools and those resources. So <clears throat> how do we do that? Well, RevHub, we knew we couldn't build every element of that ecosystem on our own, right? right. We could certainly gather some parts of it. So what we did was we hand-selected. Um, and I've been fortunate. I've been working in this community a long time, so I have – you know, really excellent contacts, people like you and, and others that I know. And I know the good work that they do. So I just kind of started going, okay, what is a gap that needs to be filled and who can best fill that gap? And I'm a big believer in non-traditional partnerships as well. Um, I think when you show up, it, when you surprise people, when you show up with like, oh, what are you doing? I would have made that connection, right? So our partnership, on its face, you wouldn't automatically go, oh, yes, that's the group that's building the social enterprise ecosystem, right? Yeah. But everybody is there hand-selected for a reason. So we have, obviously, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. You worked with your small business development center, super important to the work that we want to do. And then um, we have the North Orange County Community College District. We wouldn't do this without the community colleges. Right. They're super important um, to this, and they bring, I mean, I don't think I have to expound on the resources that a community college can bring. I mean, it's across the board. And then Cal State Fullerton, the Center for Entrepreneurship there, mm -hmm. um, really important. 
and then groups like 1OC, which is the Nonprofit Resource Center. Um, we didn't want to go out and start a nonprofit. RevHub is a for-profit social purpose corporation, so we couldn't receive directly the $8.5 million budget appropriation. So we went under fiscal sponsorship with 1OC, yeah. which is a service they provide. We don't have to handle any of the backroom up. They yep. handle and all of all that. It, yeah. And plus, we know that some of the innovations that come forward they're going to be best suited for a nonprofit business model. Now, we're not interested in that at RevHub, but we want we want a no-wrong-door approach. So a warm handoff to 1OC, they can give you all the resources you need to create the best nonprofit that you can possibly create, right? And then groups like Cielo, who they do grassroots entrepreneurship training. So you want to open your Etsy store. You want to start your bridal shop. You want those types of things. Those aren't scalable social enterprises that RevHub is interested in, but – we know that if we have people who come to us and they don't fit that social enterprise model, we can warm hand off over right. to Cielo. Same way, if they come to Cielo, if Yosef over there goes, oh, this is a scalable social enterprise, they can hand off over here, right? We have groups like the Hispanic Chamber and the SBDC there. We can add free resources to these yep. folks so that we don't have to go gather ourselves. And then we added um, a group, the uh, Multi-Ethnic Collaborative of Community Agency, yeah. MECA. And that's the most. That's the one I, I always like to use as the example because no, they didn't have a single entrepreneurship program. They had no, but they were doing all of this workforce development work. They were doing all of this upskilling work. They were um, doing helping people apply for you know tax credits and things like that. They had built like credibility in all of these communities: the Cambodian community, the Chinese community, the Hispanic community. So if we could connect into that credibility and that trust. We're RevHub. Nobody knows us in those communities, right? So we could partner with them, and then we could use service delivery through their channels. And then we brought in groups like the Social Science Research Center at Cal State Fullerton to do the evaluation work. And it's been difficult because, you know, building collaborations, especially around what we didn't have, is we couldn't go, oh, what, what are we doing here? Oh, we're building the San Antonio model. Like, there was nothing that we right. could just grab and go, we're literally kind of building an ecosystem that we couldn't find that existed anywhere in the United States. Um, we did get mentoring from groups like Impact Hub in places like Amsterdam and Mexico and other places where social enterprise ecosystems are a little more up and running. But there was nothing really analogous here in the United States. So building this um, – oh, and Advance OC is another one I forgot to mention. Uh, Advance OC, that's another nontraditional partnership. They've built out the – with the um, Orange County Healthcare Agency, they've built out the system to track health outcomes, like on a census-tracked basis, right? Mm -hmm. And but what they were what they were tracking in there were things like creditworthiness, like um, bankability, um, uh, business startups, you know, capital that's flowing into certain neighborhoods, entrepreneurship. So we brought them in to build up a data platform so that we could actually start deriving some actionable insights from data. Um, around there, and that feeds into our evaluation. So it's an amazing collaborative of people, and just now we're getting ramped up and spending the money, you know, yeah. that we got with staffing up, getting, you know, all of the different collaborative partners starting to do the programming, new programming, enhancing existing programming, all of that kind of stuff. So we're hopeful that this is going to impact tens of thousands of people, you know, over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting to be part of a project that's one of its kind in the country, right? It's the yeah. first, first foray into this, and, you know, appreciate you having kind of the vision. Like, when did you get the vision for doing this? I mean, kind of how, how far back does this go? 
Well, it, the seeds of it actually go way far back. I mean, okay. um, you know, I got really frustrated running nonprofits. You know, okay. um, you know, the philanthropic hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole the whole deal with nonprofits is, you know, you go and apply to X foundation, right? And in the application, they ask you, well, what's your plan for sustainability? And you go, well. You're my plan for sustainability. <laughs> uh, you're going to give me money now. I'm going to go spend it. And then when I'm done spending that money, I'm going to come back to you, and I'm going to ask you for some more money, right? And it creates really bad power dynamics. Yeah. It, you know, And, again, it's at the whims of the philanthropist. And, yeah. and if you get a philanthropist who really wants to dig in and understand, I, I will give you an example. Samueli. I love yeah. Samueli Foundation. Right. I mean, they've been a huge supporter of RevHub. Amazing. Like, they get it. And they – Partner, they don't come in like we know everything, and you. They come in with like, tell us how to do this work and what will be most effective, right. and then we'll provide the resources for you to do it. That's not the case with all of them, you know. It's program officers who kind of think they know how to operate these things and, and run these things, and then they impose that on you, and you have all of these me- metrics and and reporting requirements for paltry amounts of money, you know. And so that dynamic just doesn't work. And I, I had grown frustrated with that. In my um, last CEO job at the Irvine Public Schools Foundation, luckily, had a group on the board that recruited me there, and, and they handed me an organization. And I told them flat out, I go, if I'm going to do it, then I need to be given the leeway to build it in a different way. I want to build it on earned revenue. I want to build it. I want to look at different ways. I don't want to think about fundraising. I want to think about revenue, mm-hmm. right? And they allowed that, and we built it into the largest public school foundation in California at the time, and it's still going, you know, great on this blended model. But that's in a nonprofit setting. And so I've been thinking about this for a long time. Like, we've got to think of a different model, you know, for these things. And so – and then when I saw the Canadian model, after we had formed RevHub, and I don't even remember where I saw it, but it just kind of came across, and I think it was in the Pioneer's Post newsletter. They're a global social enterprise. Everybody kind of gets that, right? Yeah, you know, and, and, and I, I just saw this thing, and it looked like, oh, well, that's interesting, and I read this little brief article about it, and it was exactly, it had both an element of supporting the infrastructure for social impact investing, which is important, by the yeah, way, right? Sure. It, it's hard to set up an investment fund, you know, and... So it and it takes money and time. I mean, even the um, economic development agency, the U.S. Economic Development Agency, they have a program that will pay for sort of infrastructure backroom operation for new investment funds because it's so hard to get them going. Yeah. Well, it had that element to it where it was supporting that infrastructure around um, uh, the provinces in Canada, but then it had this ecosystem building element to it as well, building capacity right in regions to help entrepreneurs who had social innovations, right? So that's where it clicked for me, you know. And then when you couple that with our philosophy at RevHub that we're not doing this alone. You know, we are collaborators first and foremost. We are curators. If somebody's doing it better than we can do it, well, let's partner, right? We don't view – we view almost no one as competitors, right? If you can bring something better than what we're doing, we're out of that business and you're in. We will help you, right? And so – that was the seed of it, is that frustration from my experiences in the nonprofit world, and then seeing this model of how this can happen. And then I will also say that, you know, I believe in this kind of, if we're going to really address the, the most pressing social and environmental problems facing us, we've got to triangulate around it, right? So philanthropy is important. You know, I've 
mentioned that a couple of times, you know, almost negatively. But it's super important. But what it does well, it's being asked to do too much. What it does well is it alleviates suffering on the community level. Mm-hmm. Like, nonprofits are great about that because they know their communities, boys and girls clubs. I mean, you know, homeless shelters, right? These things that uh, alleviate suffering on, on a community level, right? That's where they do really well. Yep. But they're constrained because they can't scale, you know. Government is great too, right? Government has a role to play. It can scale. It can certainly provide funding, things like that. It can create a regulatory environment that is conducive to things moving, you know, quickly or not, right? But that's the downside of it is it's mired in politics and bureaucracy, right? But when you have a social innovation, you're told that those are the only two places that you go, right? Well, if we can bring private capital, we can bring private enterprise to triangulate along with philanthropy and the public sector, that's when we're going to start making headway on these things, right? But that part of it is just not developed enough, right? And so that's we, – we've got to get government government and, and philanthropy, nonprofits, right-sized and in their right lanes on this. And then you add in the private enterprise, private market, the entrepreneurship, the innovative thinking, the scalability, the capital. You bring that to the mix. Now we're talking. Now we can actually, I think, accomplish some things. Yeah, and that's, that's you know – just uh, really cool, really kind of inspiring uh, to hear you talk about it in such a great, great way. You mentioned, and you didn't mention it exactly, but what are some of those big picture problems that we do have? I mean, what are things that we should be focusing on? Yeah, so, you know, like I said, when we started Rev Hub, it's interesting because you can talk about social enterprise, right? And that can mm-hmm. take you in a lot of different directions. Yep. You can ed tech, climate tech, ag tech, food tech, health, equity, like all different kinds of ways. And so through some trial and error, you know, we've learned a lot in, in terms of which types of businesses we want to really target, help explore, ideate, incubate, accelerate, fund. And we kind of eventually came down to climate action and health equity as being the two areas that we really want to focus on. So you look at a place like – you look at a, um, something like health equity, right? Yeah. There are – I talked to some folks here at UCI um, in biomedical engineering. And they were lamenting the fact that they're doing all this amazing research in areas that they can – they know there's a need. Sickle cell anemia mm. over-impacts black people, right? Problem is venture capital is not interested in innovations in treating or curing sickle cell anemia. There's not a big enough market for them. They don't see it that way, right? Mm. And so does that mean there's no market? No, there's a market, right? So where we want to be is in health equity, we want to look and go, okay, are we willing to take a 5x return on an investment if it means that black people are not dying from sickle cell anemia complications, mm-hmm. right? If we can have innovations in that space. Right. Yes, that's what we're about. So so that's kind of the niche of where we're going. So that's an example of what, what we're looking for. You take the climate action side of it, and we have a really exciting partnership right now brand new, with UC Irvine and Sustain SoCal. Scott Kitcher does a great job over there. And it's around climate action. And we're building a climate action business incubator, Orange County's first. And But what's interesting about that is we're kind of, we're going to focus on resilience and adaptation, right? Climate change mitigation, important. I mean, eventually we've got to solve this stuff, right? The problem is venture capital is not much interested in mitigation because the return on it is 
25 years, 30 years. By the way, government's not much interested in it either because the political return on it mm -hmm. is way too far down the line, yeah. right? So there was a, a bill that was passed recently, 8179, that established the University of California Climate Action Innovation and Entrepreneurship Award, $100 million distributed to the 10 UC campuses, an initial tranche, each of them got a million dollars. And UCI decided to seed this program called, the, they're calling it the Radical Initiative, right? So Resilience and Adaptation Development in California. And it has these upstream elements of research translation, right? There are 37 or so institutes, lab centers at UCI that are working on climate action sustainability. How do we get those innovations and get them on a commercialization track? So it's not just adding new knowledge to the world, which is important, yeah. but it's actually taking that knowledge, deriving actionable insights, and then seeing if we can make it. In Howard Gilman, uh, the chancellor, he talks about making it matter in the world, yeah. right? How do we make it matter in the world? And so they've put a whole upstream element, including proof of product funding. You know, how do we get early stage non-dilutive capital to some of these things to keep them moving? And then Sustain SoCal and RevHub, we're partnering to build the, the Climate Action Business Incubator, right? And then what we need to do is we've got to build out the community side of it. So we have the academic side, it's this bi-directional input into it, and Samueli Foundation has recently funded that work. Um, we just won a second uh, Small Business Administration Growth Accelerator Fund competition. Uh, SoCal Gas is supporting it now. So we've gotten some incredible support. We've been able to seed about two million bucks into that Radical initiative and, and to get the Climate Action Business Incubator up and going. So those are kind of areas that we're really, really going whole hog into. We think there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot in that space that I was talking about that, but, you know, we get them with Rev Fund, our, our investment fund, kind of like Series C, right? Okay. So we're early, you know, in on it. and. Then we, and we've also set up that non-dilutive catalytic capital system of proof of concept funding and that kind of thing to keep things moving up to where we can get them investment and impact ready, right? So that's the spaces that we want to play. Well, that's great. Well, we're kind of, it's already, we're winding down our time already. Wow. It's hard to, that hard, went fast. Hard to believe it goes by pretty fast. So any kind of last thoughts you want to share with our audience? I think just that we can do this. You know, I, I think in our world now, we're almost getting turned away from big thinking, you know, and I, I think I even fell victim to it for a little while. You know, you get to a point where you're, you feel like, you know, I, I work on homelessness and housing, and, right. and sometimes that feels like one step up, two steps back, and you bang your head against the wall so often that you get, you know, depressed and, and, and demotivated and everything. But I really feel like this is the kind of thing, and, and again, we're humble about our role in it. You know, there are other people working on this yeah. too, and we want to connect with all of them. But I think we're at on the precipice of kind of a rethinking of some very fundamental systems, right? And the, the exciting part of that is that we can rethink it, yeah. right? We can. It, there's nothing in the system that says that we can't imagine a different kind of capitalism, a different kind of, a different way to engage a free market system, right? And so I, I'm just really excited about the possibilities that that brings up, you know, and, and I think along the way, you know, what does that mean for individuals, right, who have been left out of these opportunities? How can we, those illuminated pathways, right? I can't wait for the stories we're going to be able to tell. Yeah. You're going to be able to tell. Mecca's going to, Cielo's going to be able to tell. 
you know, about the people who engaged with us, and we were able to take their ideas and really make them come to life and change people's lives fundamentally, yeah. generationally. No, that's great. No more, no more small ball. No more think, small you ball. Think, you no. got to think big. But we want to thank our guest Tim Shaw for being on the podcast today. Just his, for his leadership, for his friendship, uh, all the great things we're doing. We're going to have to have him back because there's so much more to talk about. And we need to thank our podcast sponsor, uh, Promise and Merchants Bank, our friends there for sponsoring our Hispanic um, Heritage Month podcast for this month. So, and thank you to our audience. You know, our community is your community. We want to share what our community is about with you, and we appreciate you listening in and, and viewing our podcast. So we'll see you next Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Thank you, everybody. Well, there you have it. One more reason to tune in each and every time to meet our community. The Hispanic Business Community here in Orange County. Powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Community Radio Station. OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studios here at the University of California Irvine.